Well, good afternoon, brothers and sisters, wherever this finds you. I hope that you are doing well. Hope you are safe. Hope you are healthy. It is the Sunday of April the 19th. We are one week out of celebrating Easter Sunday, one week of living on this side of the cross. But today we want to look at the resurrection again. And I want to look once again at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, some selected verses. So here as I read these verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Are we really who we say we are? You, think, you see, I think we're doubted every day. We, we, every time we log in, every time we swipe a card, every time we try to unlock our phones, are we really who we say we are? Here's my password. Here's my key code. Here's my fingerprint. You and I are doubted several times a day. It's, it's woven into the fabric of our days. Make up a new password, a better password, a stronger password. Set up a user ID. Haul out your ID card. Are we really who we say we are? It's a common problem, and it's an old one. During his ministry, Jesus was doubted all the time. If he was really a prophet, he would, he would know that this woman was a prostitute. If he is really a rabbi, he would wash his hands before he eats. If he was really the Messiah, he would be, he would be from Bethlehem. Even while he was dying, he was doubted. If you're the son of God, save yourself. Are you really who you say you are? And that's the question that still hangs in the air when it comes to Jesus. Is he really who he says he is? Was he really who he says he was? 
The question is not about whether or not he did miracles. You see, other, other prophets before him, like Moses and Elijah, did miracles. Other rabbis around the same time period are, are reported to have done miracles. The, the Catholic Church has an entire system in place to prove that people have done miracles. It's, it's not really about the miracles. And it's not about the good teaching. It's not about generosity. It, it, it's not about caring for the poor, for women or lepers, because you see other people did do those things. When it all comes down to it is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Other people have been great teachers. Other people have performed miracles, but only one person claimed to rise from the dead. Only one has followers who say that he rose from the dead. This is the the key identity question for Jesus. Did he rise from the dead? It, It all boils down to our answer to that question. And it always has. Ever since the beginning of the church, ever since Paul was traveling the world. You see, is Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? Paul planted a church in in the city of Corinth and then part of the Roman Empire and now part of Greece. Corinth was a a bustling port city, flush with sailors on leave and products and people from around the world. And like big, bustling, multicultural cities of today, this, this meant that Corinth was a city that didn't sleep. Corinth was a party. What happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth, when the sailors were around, Corinth was Mardi Gras, Super Bowl Sunday, New Year's Eve, all rolled into one. And, and this is where Paul, the, the conservative Jew, lived, lived for a year and a half. A year and a half, this guy tries to tell people about Jesus, tries to win them over, lure them away from the prostitutes, from the orgies, the pagan temples, away from the gambling dens, the corner bars, and and into the church. And people actually listen to him. People actually pay attention. People actually turn away from pagan rituals and pleasure palaces and come to Jesus. It's utterly amazing. But then Paul leaves Corinth. And eventually, word reaches him that his disciples are they're slipping back in, into those old ways. Church one evening, the temple the next, sober for a bit, then drunk for a while, inclusive of the poor, then, then having feasts without them. So Paul writes him a letter. And after he writes about sex and marriage and singleness and spiritual gifts and prophecy, love and worship, Paul reminds the Corinthians what this is really all about. He roots everything in the resurrection. He knows that that people are starting to doubt what, what he said, that they are forgetting what he taught them. They're wondering if Jesus is who Paul says he is. They're, they're doubting the resurrection itself, the cornerstone of our faith. So Paul takes this challenge head on. And this is his argument. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are idiots. We have bought into a lie and we should be pitied. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have insulted God because we said that he raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus was the Messiah. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he wasn't the Messiah and we got everything all wrong. 
we're pathetic. And that, friends, is still true today. Today, April 19th, 2020. According to Paul, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are idiots. In fact, in, in this room, we, we are the chief idiots. We have devoted our lives, our educations, thousands of dollars, our intellectual capacity, whatever creativity we have, our very beings to something very silly. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you, my friends, are, to be frank, wasting your time. You're giving your lives to something that doesn't matter. Now, there will be people who will say that Jesus was a good teacher, that, that he, was, he, he was interesting, that he, he had a lot of good ideas, but he wasn't the Son of God and he didn't rise from the dead. And let's be very, very clear about something. Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus doesn't give us the option to say that he was a good moral teacher. Have we, have we read the, the Gospel of John? You see, either Jesus is the Son of God or he is completely crazy. He's a nut job. He's, he's one of these uh, clanging gongs in a, in a big city just yelling at people who, who don't listen. If he is not the Son of God sent to redeem the world, the one who rose from the dead and appeared to the, his disciples, if Jesus is not that, then he is crazy. C.S. Lewis famously said that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He was either crazy or the Christ. We don't take good advice from a crazy person. We don't think of a lunatic as a good moral teacher. That is not a viable option. This is why Paul does a review for the Corinthians of the proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Here, here's what Paul says. He died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose. And then he showed up to Peter, to the 12, to more than 500 at one time, to James, to the apostles, and finally he appeared to me, Paul says. And the Corinthians knew that story. They knew Paul had been anti-Jesus, anti-resurrection, and anti-Christian. They, they knew that Jesus himself knocked Paul down with a bright light and a loud voice, took his sight for three days, and then brought Ananias to him to tell him the good news, to tell him the resurrection was true, to tell Paul that Jesus really rose from the dead. So the Corinthians knew that Paul was, was a late adopter. They knew that he struggled to believe. They knew that Paul understood their lives, that their friends think they're, they're stupid, that their families think they're nuts, that it's much easier just to, just to blend in. Paul gets it. And so he reminds them of how many people saw Jesus after he rose, including him. He, so he says to the Corinthians, Jesus is really who he says he is. And then he asks them this question, are we? Are we really who we say we are? Are we really living a life worthy of the calling that we have received? Are, are we living as believers we claim to be? Because if the resurrection of Jesus is true, our life should show it. Come to a sober and right mind, he tells them. Sin no more. Jesus, says Paul, is who he says he is. Are we? Are we really who we say we are? Are you who 
you say you are? Am I who I say I am? We can have people watch or read the, the case for Christ. We can have adult Sunday school classes, uh, real and in person or virtually on Zoom. We can have million proofs for the resurrection. We can preach apologetics 52 times a year. We can have all the arguments for the veracity of Scripture or the alignment of the Gospels. But if we aren't living as Christ has been risen, then it doesn't matter. If we are preaching life, but continuing to choose death, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The enemy is really, really good at holding out things that look like they're life-giving, but they aren't. Like the white witch holding out Turkish delight for a hungry Edmund. The enemy makes death look like life. The enemy makes gambling look like low-risk fun. The enemy makes obsessive exercise look like a way to stay healthy. The enemy makes porn look like a victimless crime. What he's holding out to us, what, what's on the tray, it's dusted with powdered sugar to cover up the poison. Where is death hiding behind the facade of life of what the enemy is holding? Jesus is who he says he is. Are we? Are we preaching life and choosing death? Or are we really resurrection people? As Paul writes, the resurrection matters not just because it was a true historical event. The resurrection matters not just because it happened long ago. Paul says the resurrection matters because just as it happened once, it will happen again. Paul says this, here's what happened already. Jesus rose from the dead. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to rise from the dead and you're going to have a front row seat to the destruction of sin, death, and hell because the resurrection of Jesus is a sign and a promise that God is up to something big. Paul says to the Corinthians, this isn't just a past event. It's a future event. It's our event. We will be raised incorruptible, imperishable. We will be raised and we will watch death die. We will watch evil lose. We will see death destroyed. And because of that, says Paul, resurrection is a true past event and a promised future event, which means it affects our present reality. God doesn't just want us to have life then. He wants us to have life now. God wants to raise us now, today. Stand firm, immovable. Our labor is not in vain. God is up to resurrection now. God wants to raise us now. God wants to move us from death to life now, today. Where is death stinging us today? Where is the enemy having victory or seeming victory today? The triune God comes to us, all of us, and God says, resurrection is about you and it's about now. God wants to raise us, wants to dust off the death of self-preservation, of addictions, of laziness, of lying. God wants to raise us up. He wants us to stand up beloved, and say that Jesus is alive and so are we. Wants us to confess, wants us to come clean, wants us to have a fresh start. Who do, who do we need to talk to today to move into life? Who needs to know what's really going on? What habits need to be broken? What habits need to take hold? Where does death need to die in our life? 
You see, a holy God doesn't hold out Turkish delight. God doesn't hold out death masquerading his life. God holds out the breath, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood. And God says, my son died so that you don't have to. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, I, don't just get to preach resurrection. We get to live it. We get to come out of the tomb and walk into life. We get to shake off death and move into life. We get to preach, to live, to talk, and dream like people who have been raised from the dead. Jesus has risen from the dead. And so can we. Jesus is who he says he is. And we can be too. In closing, I want to read Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were crying. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever. And those forevers and evers and evers happen because the resurrection is true and it has happened to our Lord Jesus and can happen to us. Until we get together again to celebrate the resurrection as we do every Sunday, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand.